this is are you familiar with this podcast and this episode we are gonna dive into consenting industry and how to build and launch your business in less than a month and lot more i'm your host kushpat and thanks for tuning in this episode today's guest is cat walker from very beautiful and travel hub of south asia cambodia she has started her own business at 24 so we'll explore that too in a minute thank you for stopping by cat thank you so much for having me yeah very excited for our convo same here so before we start our conversation as i am recording this episode from india where we are fighting with this pandemic and many countries are also supporting and helping india so this episode is dedicated to all covid-19 fighters around the world so please take very good care of yourself so sit back and enjoy this episode cat let familiar our listeners with you in a bit like Uh, where are you based in and what are you how did you landed in cambodia and what are you doing these days gotcha yeah so i'm from um the united states originally from california and so after university i spent some time working at tech startups in san francisco um before taking a year off to travel the world um that seems to have been extended due to the the current state of affairs um but i'm currently based out of phnom penh cambodia uh running my own business from here as well yeah so share something about cambodia that uh you know people don't know Yeah, I think my favorite fun fact, um maybe it's it's more familiar on this side of the globe, but I was really surprised to learn that in Cambodia people actually use the US dollar a little bit. Um so it, it's pretty interchangeable with the local currency, the real. Um so that was one of the things that I was most surprised to learn when I got here. Yeah, it's it's very ancient civilization as I read on Google. Very much so. Yes, and it's it has a really interesting complex history as well. Um but it's a beautiful country and the people here are really warm and welcoming. So I'm really glad that I made this kind of um a more long-term home. Any plan to go back once this pandemic uh gets over? Um yes, of course, of course. I plan on visiting the US um when the pandemic's over, but also hopefully finding my way back out to Southeast Asia. I think it's just one of those things where um to a certain extent I've given up planning because it seems like <laughs> plans always keep changing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's your hustle story and what interests you to jump into this uh consulting space? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So my background originally from from working at these tech startups in San Francisco was more of a sales background. And when I started traveling, I knew it was just something that I really wanted to continue doing, but you have to ultimately figure out how you're going to be able to afford that, right? And so for me, I really realized that I would love to work for myself. Um so even though when I was started traveling, I was just 23, um by the time I turned 24, I had come up with the idea to start some sort of online business. And so initially, I had actually started out doing just kind of the most straightforward business I could think of, um which was to be some sort of virtual assistant. But as i got into conversations with people all of the tasks they were wanting me to do weren't really assistant tasks 
they were sales tasks. And so I realized that that would definitely have a, a higher price point um, and would be actually my my natural skill set already. And so that's what really made me slowly transition um, some of the work that I was doing into sales consulting um, more specifically. And so I used that knowledge, went out and found clients um, within a very particular niche. And that's kind of how it all started. So when we uh, talked about earlier about for for this episode, you mentioned that uh, it's about geographical arbitrage. So what is it? Can you describe it? Yeah. So um, geographic arbitrage is really just kind of taking advantage of the difference in prices in two different places. Um, so a lot of times we see this with like physical goods, like say a t-shirt, right? You might have a t-shirt um, that's created in one country shipped off to another because it can sell for like $40 or something crazy in the US versus, you know, maybe somewhere else in the globe. And so really what I'm doing is kind of an extension of that concept where I'm physically located somewhere that's very affordable for me and still making money back in my home country. Because as we know, in the US, um, kind of salaries are, are pretty crazy out there. And so I can live a bit more of a flexible lifestyle because the salary that I can make working with US clients part-time it would be more than enough to cover um, a very nice lifestyle. Well, to be honest, not even just in Southeast Asia, but almost anywhere in the globe. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So I was reading your blogs and there you mentioned that you had an you know entrepreneurial mindset from the start, like from childhood. So tell us a bit about that. Is there any story behind that? Oh, yeah, of course. I think um, there's lots of little ways that you become entrepreneurial when you're young. Um, for me, my very first exposure with businesses was through my parents' ice cream store. So my dad actually had me on the cash register, um, helping customers as young as five years old. So I would say that's definitely where I got my start. Um, but even growing up, you just kind of start to take on small odd jobs around town, which if you think about it is really, you know, your first business when you're pet sitting or I don't know, mowing lawns or delivering newspapers, all of those are kind of little things that you're learning when it comes to handling cash, handling a product, um, doing all of the basic sales and, and marketing and all of those basic things. They're, they're skills that you can very easily pick up in childhood. And then if you show an aptitude, it's something that I think naturally snowballs from there and, and usually finds its way into your career as well. So, so it's a good time to now introduce Rucker Sales Consulting to our listeners. So go ahead, Kat. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, so RSC is really interesting. Um, we're kind of in a bit of a transitional phase here. So originally, um, I really was pulling upon that, that prior work experience with startups in San Francisco and created a sales consultancy that was in the B2B space. So that's um, business to business where I would come in with organizations and help them sell whatever product they have 
to another organization. Now we're kind of expanding because I just really realized over the course of the last year through the blog that a lot of people are very curious about how to start their own side hustle, how to get their own business going. And so I was receiving a few requests, mainly through Twitter, which I was really pleasantly surprised to find. And so now I'm starting to open up Rucker Sales Consulting to one-on-one coaching calls, um, even more long-term calls where, like you said, I can help people start their first business within about a month. Because uh, I think that's really how long it takes to create at the very basic level, a business plan, a strategy, do some research, but really this isn't rocket science, right? And it's something that with access to the computer, anyone can have most of the tools to have things up and running relatively fast and relatively cost efficient. Um, When I started my business, I actually didn't put any money in it. (laughs) I started with my my university email. (laughs) So, you know, you really don't need to have all these bells and whistles to get started. And I was able to to land my first clients um, without even a website up. Well, that's very encouraging for our listeners and who want to land their own business and in in this space. So what what problem basically Rucker Sales Consulting are, you know, solving and explore the solution you are providing around the globe? Yeah, so really it's a solution where it's it's kind of those two different directions. For businesses, I come on board in more of a consulting capacity where they have a specific business problem. Like um, one person I'm working with right now is really looking to have more visibility into their sales process. So I'm creating dashboards so that they can see, you know, how much revenue they've made over the last few years. Other projects I've done have included, you know, setting up email campaigns campaigns, um, helping to build a sales process from scratch. With one-on-one clients where it's individuals looking to grow their business, typically what that looks like is um, twice a week meetings where we connect, we set goals, we set um, tangible things that they can work on for the week. And then later on in the week, we follow up, see what worked, see what didn't, and kind of troubleshoot so that we're ready to hit the ground running the following week. Um, So maybe a better way of answering your question is that my my work is very flexible because it very much is tailored to what the individual client needs. It's very agile in its uh, offerings. Mm-hmm. Very much so because people, sometimes people don't even know actually what they need, right? And that's what I found is really interesting and, and somewhat a challenge sometimes is you'll be working with somebody and they just know that they need to do sales, <laughs> but they don't know what aspect of sales, right? They can't tell me if they're, they have a process at all, how well the process is working if they have one. And so it's something where you really have to have those conversations and get to understand that person's communication and working style. And usually that's the first thing that you have to tackle. Yeah. So any, any barriers you faced in, in your journey, like till now, and if yes, so how did you break those all? Mm. Good question. So I think the first and biggest barrier that I had to break was when I started off the business and it was originally a virtual assistant type business because all of the people that I was in contact with, you know, in their heads, they're thinking, okay, a virtual assistant costs about this much, right? And 
when you're trying to sell them sales as, as a product or a service, right? That's something where it's a price point that is very different from what they were expecting. And so probably one of the biggest challenges, I think that any person who's starting a business or, or even working in their own career will face is that moment when you realize maybe you priced yourself too low. <laughs> And mm-hmm. so I definitely face that. Um, and it's just really one of those things where if you approach it from the right direction, you know, it's not impossible to start at say a thousand dollars and work your way up to 2000. And for me, and, and maybe this is a really good tip for people. I usually found that a great way to help people, whether it's getting a promotion or working with a client to overcome that barrier is by looking at all of the work that you're doing for somebody and then looking at the job description. And often people will find that they're doing things that are what I like to call beyond the scope of work, which means there was an original project or job description. You're doing all of those things, but then additional tasks ends up in your hands that you have to handle in addition to those things. But you're not getting paid for those additional things, right? And so, so now it's beyond the scope of work, right? You, you are building a relationship uh, between, between you and your clients as a virtual uh, assistant, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, not so much a virtual assistant anymore. Now I'm firmly in the sales world. Um, I only have one client who is still grandfathered in and, and doing some more um, virtual assistant stuff. But even his projects are mostly sales-based now as well. So, so how do you deal... Uh, with with the you know change in business model as per you know as change in uh, regions and all let's say you are based in Cambodia right now mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you have clients on in Europe and uh, other other parts of Asia so there would be um, don't you think there would be attraction between you and your clients as uh, it's a, it's a it's a totally different culture there Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I would definitely say there is a difference between uh, myself and my clients. I think at the end of the day, a lot of business principles overlap, but the strategy that you go about things changes quite a bit as well. Um, I also have noticed that the projects that I work on are a little bit different depending on what kind of country I'm in or or working with. And so, you know, a lot of the projects I do are more sales-based and then when it comes to Cambodia in particular, the current project that I'm working on here is more communications based, right? And and that's an interesting aspect of sales where it doesn't just apply to how can I get people to buy my product, but it's also how can I create a culture change? How can I get people um, to see my company in a certain way, right? And so that really broadens the horizon of the things that I can work on with people. Mm, yes. So, so how do you see the competition landscape as there, there are so many large corporations in this space? So how do you fight with that? So for me, I really focused on a very specific niche, right? And so when you're starting a business, I think it's always good to go with what you know. And the space that I was really familiar with was working with software companies, And so when I started my business, I focused specifically on finding software companies that was selling a product um, to a certain kind of people that I was very familiar with, right? And so I started off with this very, very specific type of client 
that I knew not a lot of people would know how to speak to that kind of client the way that I could based off of my background. Right. And so when I went out, I was able to actually have a very high response rate because I went out with very specific messaging because I knew the industry, I knew the client that I was trying to get, and I knew the, the clients that they were trying to get. Right. And so when you get really specific, you're going to have a much higher success rate because everything feels more personal these days. Um, Everyone is really receiving thousands and thousands of emails. And so it's really important to, I think, narrow down a niche of expertise and really speak to that particular skill set. And then from there, once you've built kind of a foundation of your business, you can expand and do other offerings, bigger projects, and really start to step out of that, that field. But to start off really small, um, for me, it was, was organizations that had less than 50 employees because I knew that they would need some sort of sales team, but they wouldn't have a sales team in house. Right. So you look at all these various factors that goes into your ideal client. And then you speak to those things when you message them through either cold calling or email. Uh, so yes, definitely. So I can sense that there there would be so much research before you know setting up these types of business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I found that you know I actually would say I spend more time doing research than I would doing actual outreach. Because the better the email you create, the more personal it is, the more likely someone is to actually respond to you. And when I started my business, I kid you not, I only sent about 12 emails and I got three responses. And out of those three responses, yeah, I was mind blown myself. Um, But that's the power of just really focusing in on a niche. Because out of those 12 emails, three responses, two of them ended up becoming clients. Well, that's a very good, uh, great achievement, I would say. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, I mean, it, it's it's really one of those things where when you start a business and you get this positive feedback um, from the market that you're in, you just get this really good feeling, right? It's like all of the work, all of the time I've been putting into things is finally paying off. Yes, yes, absolutely. So any personal experience with your client that would, you know, worth sharing with our listeners? Sure. You know... I think that it's important to be more transparent about this thing that I'm about to share with you, um, because I think most blogs happen to focus in on the positive sides of of having a business or personal finance um, or, or whatever, right? We only talk about the good. And so what I would love to share with you know all of the listeners is that sometimes, to be frank, you're not going to always have the best clients. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Um, And sometimes it's just one of those things where even though the money's there, you have to know when it's no longer helping your business, right? You want to help your client as much as possible, but if there's too much of, I guess, um, an unwillingness to change or whatever it may be, right? You have to be willing to say, hey, I feel like this project is stagnant. It's not going anywhere right now. And maybe at the end of this contract, it would make sense to go and pursue something else, whether that's a new client, a new project, um, 
whatever it may be, I think it's really important to be aware of where you're at, right? Because you started a business to have freedom, to make money, to be happy, right? And if all of those things aren't really happening, then you also know that as a business owner, you have that freedom to go find that ideal or as a deal as a workplace can be um, situation for yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. And I'm sure you'll have a some kind of strategy and some secret sauce about how to grow uh, the client base for existing ventures or how new business can tape um, new clients. Yeah, you know, there's there's a few different ways to go about it. I think it depends on really what kind of clients you're targeting. And so before you even go out to try and find new clients, I would always sit down and write down as specific of a client profile um, for your ideal client as possible. And so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, mine was, I want to work with startups that have less than 50 employees. I want it to be within the tech industry and doing software sales, I would like for them to sell into specifically human resources teams. And maybe these words don't mean a lot to you and your your particular niche, but that's kind of how specific you want to be when creating the kind of person that you want to, to connect with. And from there, you then decide, okay, well, how can I find this person? Is it going to a job search engine like Indeed, finding a job posting, reading the job posting, and then instead of applying through that job posting, finding that person's email, contacting them directly, and writing an email based on that job? Or would it be going to a networking site like LinkedIn and combing through a bunch of profiles to try and find somebody who seems like a good potential fit? But at the end of the day, you really have to go more personal if you're looking for a a very high success rate is what I've always encountered in sales. I I have used uh, that approach of finding the job, as you mentioned. So yes, very relatable. Yeah, how did it work for you? Uh, (laughs) Mixed results, huh? (laughs) No comments. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So much valuable advice you are getting, listeners. So thanks, Kat, for for this advice. Yeah, no problem. Happy to answer any other questions um, that you might have as well. Let's let's explore any any developments or trends in consulting industry across the globe. Yeah, I mean, I would say mostly what I've noticed with consulting um, or even business in general is this concept of um, just really knowing your buyer, right? It's not enough to say, okay, I have a product, you'll like it, right? And this is kind of tying into everything that I've said before, where it's like, you really have to find people who are in a way already interested in the stuff that you're selling. Um, but taking it a step further, the biggest trend in consulting I've found is really to have that consultative approach where you're guiding somebody, right? It's not enough to say, oh, you have a business problem. Here's a business solution. You also have to really interact and truly understand almost every level of a business. Um, so even in sales, it's something where you really have to get to know the person who you're selling to on a personal human to human level, as well as know the business um, so that you can understand, okay, how does this person like to be communicated to? 
what are the kinds of things that are motivating them at their own workplace, right? Are they really passionate about, you know, getting a raise? Do they really care about, I don't know, the environment? What is it that kind of gets them excited to go to work every day? And so I think that generally in consulting, we're really seeing this shift towards, you know, a more personal way of getting to know your clients, of, of being involved in the work they're doing versus some more traditional consulting, which can be a bit more, here's a project, please solve it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what, uh, so my next question would be, uh, what's your views on virtual consulting space? It's, it's, it's the pandemic time and, you know, you can't communicate uh, like, directly clients to clients and you have to work uh, remotely so what what's your take on that i've surprisingly found um the current times to be very good for the virtual consulting space i think that people are more willing to accept remote employees which especially being out based out of the country is super important and i think we've really seen a change where a lot of people who were able to work remotely in the past have been more of like engineering types right? Um, now it's, it's very open to a variety of different fields, whether it's business sales, um, or a different type of consulting space. I would say that people have been much more receptive to having help from, from people from all across the globe. And so hopefully this is something that will continue for the next several years. It's, it's kind of hard to say. I think each country is developing at its own rate and we don't know which countries are going to more embrace the work from home lifestyle versus, you know, leaning more towards having offices again. But I'm really hopeful that we're seeing a lot of more large organizations talking about having that hybrid workspace. And so yes. I think that virtual consulting is definitely more here to stay and, and more of a at the forefront. Yes, absolutely. I also agreed because uh, I I saw on few posts about this virtual consulting space. It's it's rapidly growing at around I think fourteen or fifteen percent a year. So yes, it's gonna stay. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, definitely. I I agree completely. It's really something that. It's hard to go back, right? I think once people had a taste of working from home, it's hard to to justify being in the office, you know, 40 plus hours a week. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. So it's, it's the perfect time to touch on your blogs and how this shaped and helped you in your business journey. Yeah, I'd love to. So the blog is interesting. The blog is actually called Cash for Cat, um, which is very different from Rucker Sales Consulting. The blog actually came first. And so when I started traveling, I was very interested in documenting that journey, um, but also talking a bit about personal finance as well. Unfortunately, I was so focused on the travel that I, I didn't get too good at documenting the travel aspect, but the personal finance aspect is definitely there. Um, and so I really found that the blog, even though it's not about sales, it's not about Rucker Sales Consulting, it's really its own thing. Um, it really helped me to create an online presence. And so I think that's even how you found me, Kush, was was through Twitter um, more than likely because I think most people find the blog through Twitter first. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I, I fo followed there only. Yeah, yeah. So it's been interesting. I think that 
blogging is really necessary for businesses because you unlock that Google search traffic. So people have the ability to find your website organically. Um, But what I found the most valuable is you have to learn how to market. And even though I worked in sales, marketing is such a different field. And so it's really using those social media platforms, learning how to grow a following um, and just kind of keeping that momentum going, right? And so that's been really interesting because, you know, even though I'm talking about completely different topics on the blog, people also hear a little bit about what I'm doing with the business. Um, Now I've started to actually document the journey of creating a business on the blog too, because people were so curious. And so um, now the blog kind of helps funnel people to the Rucker Sales Consulting website so they can learn a little bit more about the work that I'm doing there as well. So it's been really amazing. And I definitely recommend it to anyone who's looking to start um, a business. That's why you see companies spending so much time blogging as well these days. Yes, absolutely. So sometimes, you know, blogging uh, is kind of like very personal touch and it's it's directly redirects you with uh, you know author's uh, mind and what's what's his or her views mm-hmm. it impacts in a very larger manner very much so yes so any any tips to generate revenue through blogging uh, like are you doing it right now yeah i make a little bit of revenue through the blog i would say not as much as i could um mainly because i'm pretty booked through on the business right now. Um, So I actually haven't even had a chance to post in the last month or so. But even then, I still get a little bit of side revenue from Google ads. And that's probably the most direct way to make at least some money um, from blogging. You really do need to have a high amount of traffic to see the big bucks from, from Google ads. But how I made my first money blogging, which I was actually able to do within the first 60 days of starting Cash for Cat, um, was through affiliate programs. And more specifically, I actually got paid to write a sponsored post. Um, it wasn't a lot. <laughs> it wasn't a shocking amount of money or anything, but I did make $20 writing a blog post on behalf of Grammarly um, through an affiliate program that I had actually signed up for. And so I think signing up with those programs are really a great way to diversify the the different types of companies you're able to do um, affiliate sales for. And another great one would also be Amazon sales as well. Mm, yes, absolutely. $20 is not that bad. It's It's very good, I think. It covered my hosting fees for the year. So that's all I could really <laughs> hope for is to not be in the negatives. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's a totally positive uh, response. Yes, absolutely. Good to hear that. As, as you are based in Cambodia now, and I wanted to ask you that, how do you see South Asian countries uh, in this pandemic? And before that, in terms of like uh, business prospects and startup industries? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to startup industries, I think that Southeast Asia has really started to become a hub, um, both for international travelers, but also for locals um, who are really starting to get into that startup space as well. And so it's really interesting because when I first started traveling, I didn't realize how much innovation was going on out here. Um, But once I moved to Cambodia, now I have so many friends, um, whether they're locals or international, um, you know, 
residents here now. And they, they really have been able to create the widest variety of businesses, whether it's something more surface-based like mine, where you're doing something online, where it's something tech-based, um, but even smaller startups where they're doing a product. One of my friends actually sells a beauty product um, that helps enhance your eyelashes. And so there's really so many different kinds of businesses um, that you can start. And there's just really this acceptance for entrepreneurship in that it's really accessible out here. I think that everyone has a smartphone for the most part these days. And so a lot of, you know, people in Asian countries, it's been so impressive to see is, you know, most people have no problems running their business from their phone, right? I'm not that way. I still use my computer most of the time, but it's so impressive that that really anyone can start up a business and have everything done completely on your phone. You don't even need a computer these days. Yes, because uh, I saw on news that many migrants, like like I don't know about percentage, but there are many migrants coming from different uh, parts of the world to the South Asia and creating a different, you know, startup ecosystem out of it. And mm -hmm. they, they are, you know, part of many great startups. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious as well. So maybe a, a quick question for you too. In, in Cambodia, I've noticed that Facebook is actually a very popular place. Um, a lot of businesses don't even have websites. They just have Facebook pages. Are you noticing any, I guess, particular platforms in India um, that people gravitate to for having their businesses? I think Shopify if I'm not wrong, mm -hmm. uh, and we we have our own Shopify. There there are two three you know apps coming out pops up every day for for the small medium enterprises and businesses. Interesting. Yeah, I've I've definitely had a little bit of experience with Shopify, so that's interesting to hear and really exciting to see because I think Shopify is a great way also of starting a business if it's more product based as well. It's it's a very uh, you know easy interface for. You know, non-techy also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, very much so. Yeah, so I, I used that, you know, I tried and it worked. It, it, it was a great uh, interface and experience for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that all of these different tools have made it so accessible for non-techies because I wouldn't say I'm the most uh, technically inclined person myself, um, but it's really easy to create a website even these days. I think... Um, for the Rucker sales consulting site, it actually took me about four hours to put together the basics of the site. And then I would say the rest of, you know, the time I, I spent on it was really just making it look prettier. <laughs> it's a very minimal uh, design, like black and white. Yes. Very straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's great. Great. Design. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I, when I realized I, I didn't need a website to do sales, I, I just really went straight forward on the website. It's just something to have a little bit extra for people who like to do research. I'm somebody that likes to do research and, and have something to look at before um, I engage with a, a product or a service. And so that's kind of the purpose of the website in a way. It's just more marketing. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. So what's the roadmap of uh, Rucker Sales Consulting for the coming months or I would say years? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. I really should think on a more of a, an annual scale. Um, right now, I think the big roadmap is growing it to the point where I can have a decent income back home. Um, I'm really keen to move back to the United States and the United States is ridiculously expensive, um, which is part of the reason why I left. <laughs> but um, that's really the roadmap is just growing the business. Um, right now, I'm working with about three clients. I have another two or three people who have expressed interest in working with me, which is really exciting. Um, Because before when I started my business, I had to go find people (laughs) and be like, hey, you want to work with me. And now it's gotten to the point where I have people coming to me and being like, oh, hey, I saw you're doing this. Can you help me with this? Right. And it doesn't have to exactly be sales. I've had people come to me asking for help with social media, um, more like corporate affairs type things. And so that's really the exciting thing is it starts to take on a life of its own. And so that's what I'm really starting to see is, you know, I'm taking on just so many unique projects where in a way I think Rucker sales consulting, even though it's very salesy still, I might have to drop that from the title (laughs) coming up here (laughs) um, because I'm really just branching into two different areas of business as well. And so I do hope um, to work more one-on-one with individuals, but at the moment I'm, I'm still mostly engaging with clients um, from organizations. So that's, that's the big dream because to, to be able to impact individuals, I think is the most rewarding thing. Last, but not, not the least question, any plans to explore uh, other countries in, in Asian region like India or, or any other states? Oh, I really hope so. I was supposed to go to Indonesia last year and Japan. um, But just because of the pandemic and everything that's been going on there, I haven't had a chance. Um, I've also only been to Malaysia and Thailand for just a quick little couple of days. And so there's so much more that I would love to see. Um, Hopefully, as, as I head back home, I'll have time to run around a few more countries on my way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it's, if it doesn't happen now, I'm sure it'll happen at some point in the future, because I just really love it out here. I think um, Asia has its own energy and its own, you know, uniqueness to it, that it's just really so special. Um, and it's so exciting to see parts of the world that are growing so quickly you know buildings have gone up in my neighborhood in like two to three months (laughs) (laughs) so it's really interesting because i would even love to come back to cambodia in a few years because i think it'll be a completely different place yeah absolutely i totally agree with uh you know how you see asian countries and uh the growth of that and prospects in in overall the asian uh region and mm-hmm. in coming coming years, I would say, you know, including China, India, and other other different countries, uh, we would be, I think, leader. Oh, very much so. Yeah, <laughs> very quickly as well. So I think it's really exciting to see everything that's going on out here. I think there's a reason why expats are so drawn to Southeast Asia because there's just like this this energy and excitement around innovation and growth, and you know wanting to accept new ideas. Maybe I think no country is perfect at fully embracing new ideas. Um, but there's just more of a desire to, I think, learn and grow out here. Whereas back home, it's a different energy. It's it's not bad or anything like that. 
but there's more of this, this is how we do things. This is our routine, our way. Whereas out here, it's like, hey, let's figure out a new way to do things. Let's let's get something new going. And so that's, to me, just really the draw of, of Southeast Asia and part of why I'm so excited um, to come back here as well. It, it's definitely the first stop on my list um, whenever I go international again. Absolutely a different culture and affordable too. Oh, very much so. Yes. <laughs> and that's not bad either. So before saying goodbye to our listeners, any tips for those who want to get into consulting business? Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, starting a consulting business is really about identifying your ideal buyer, practicing and making very specific messaging. And then really the one thing you can't change is you have to go out and do the work, right? If, you know, I, and I felt guilty about this myself, you know, I wanted to have, you know, people come to my website and be able to buy things. And I found that, well, I didn't make it easy for them. Right. And so you really have to focus on, okay, am I putting more steps into place for somebody to do something with me? So make it as easy as possible for people to find you as easy as possible um, for people to understand what you're doing. And then the rest sort of takes care of itself. So many great insights and advice for our listeners. So thank you, Kat, for sharing this with us. And please mention your blog site and consulting website so our listeners can explore that too. Yes, thank you. So the personal blog um, for personal finance tips is cashforcat.com. Um, so that's cat with a K, K-A-T, cash for cat. Um, and then for the actual sales consulting, Rucker Sales Consulting, you can find me at catrucker.com. So that's K-A-T-R-U-C-K-E-R.com. So catrucker.com. Pretty easy. <laughs> Simple and easy. And all links mentioned in show notes. Thank so, you. So that was all from my side. And so thank you all for tuning this episode and do rate us on Podchaser. And now, are you familiar with this? Also available on Amazon Music in Asian regions. So you can listen there too. Stay tuned until next time.